Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, Ruben. Hi, Teddy. Now, I want you to imagine that you're a detective on a murder case. Okay. And it's the year 2000. Forensic science is reasonably advanced. A family of four has just been brutally killed. Yep. What exactly do you need to solve this crime? Mm, like clues, evidence. What kind of clues? Hair, fingerprints. Yeah, but now imagine you have all that. You have fingerprints, DNA evidence. You literally have the murder weapon. Alright? You have the killer's clothes, jacket, hat, gloves. The killer's bag, literally. Imagine you have the killer's shit in a Ziploc bag somewhere. Okay. You'd think that you'd be able to solve the crime, right? Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what if no matter how hard you looked, you just couldn't? Hmm. Which country is this? <laughs> Rude. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the unsolved murders of the Miyazawa family. A family of four that was brutally killed in the dead of the night. When I looked into this case, the Miyazawa family seemed like a very idyllic family, you know? There was a dad, Mikio, and he worked for an international company that did corporate identity. So it's like branding for companies. And when he was young, he was into puppets and theatre. Yeah, there was the mom, Yasuko, and she worked as a home tutor. So that's one thing that's like quite pertinent is that they live like right next to Yasuko's sister, An. So Mikio and Yasuko, they moved into the neighbourhood in 1991. And this was the Kami-Soshigaya neighbourhood in the Setagaya, which is in Tokyo, Japan. Um, yeah, I was try to remember all those names. <laughs> Alright, now at, at the time that they moved in in 1991, it was really nice suburban, lots of families and their house was right behind a park, which is great, it's ideal, especially if you have kids, right? Mm, yeah. And now, even though she lived near An, her sister usually wasn't around because her sister's husband, um, according to some sources, worked overseas, so she spent a lot of time commuting between countries and all that. Okay. Now, instead of her sister being there, Usually, her mom, Yasuko's mom, would be there. And because the houses were literally right next to each other, so usually, Yasuko would hold her classes at her sister's house instead. Okay. Yeah. Alright, but because the houses were so close together, they were they were almost like terraced houses, you know? Or like a, two halves of a semi-detached. Mm. I mean, they were detached, but they were very, very close. Okay. And her husband was a bit worried, like, oh, what if we, like, noise complain each other? But the, is there anyone else around? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but what if they, like, bother each other, like, they bother Yasuko's oh, mom okay. or whatever. Yeah, so they end up kind of, like, soundproofing the house. Okay, so, dad, Mikio, mom, Yasuko. And at the time that this happened, they were in their 40s, and they had two kids. They had a girl, Nina, who was eight, and she was in second grade. 
she was into ballet and she would always be like, oh, look at my ballet moves, Grandma. Mm. So like, very cute. And there was also Ray, who was really very young. He was six years old and he was attending a public kindergarten. Alright, so another thing to note is that they moved there in 1991. And around the time that they moved there, there were about 200 families. Because you wouldn't move into a to a Ulu neighbourhood if you have a family, right? You want your kids to have friends. I guess, yep. But by 2000s, there was a planned expansion of the park. And the Miyazawa family, they were also planning to move. But they were like, oh, still looking for a place, you know, still got to settle this and that. So they hadn't really gotten around to it. And so by the year 2000, there were literally like four houses in the area that had people living in it. Oh, you mean like people moved out? Yeah, because they were like, oh yeah, we're going to build into this area. We're going to demolish this and turn this into a park. And so... Oh, yeah, okay. so I'm sure they had like some sort of deadline or whatever, but like the Miyazawas were like really pushing it. Now the murder happens on 30th December 2000, so the day before New Year's Eve. And we don't know the exact details, but this is what the police think happened. Hmm. It's about 11.30 at night, late, it's quiet. And the killer, we don't know if he had been planning this for a while or whether it was an opportunistic thing. But we do know that he gets in through the back of the house, the side that faces Soshigaya Park. Okay. And they think that he climbed up a tree because there was a window on the second floor bathroom and he removed the screen, like he physically removed the screen and he climbed in. And the window is not big. It's like, it's like the windows in our bathroom. Okay. Yeah, so somebody can fit in, but you can't be too large. So he walks through the house, and the first room he walks by is six-year-old Ray's room on the second floor. And so he walks in, and he strangles Ray to death with, with his hands. Hmm. Now, Mikio, they think that the dad heard the noise and rushed up, and he fights the killer based on his wounds. Injuries, yeah. And he manages to injure the killer, but he, he is injured as well. And he's stabbed in the thighs, the arms, the chest, the face. And we also know that he was stabbed in the head with a sashimi knife. Okay. Now, around this time, Yasuko and Nina, they were sleeping in the attic room, which was only accessible by a stair. You know those attics where you have to pull, o- pull it open and yeah. pull down the, st- the ladder? Yeah. And we don't really know what happened, but this is all like theory speculation based on the evidence. Mm. But it's theorized that the killer actually went up with a like semi-broken sashimi knife and attacked them. And they weren't dead, but they were injured. And he realizes that, he, oh, I can't kill them with this broken knife. So he goes down to grab a kitchen knife from their own kitchen. Mm. And at that point of time, Yasuko, who's like still... Alive, she takes Nina and she tries to run, but he catches them at the bottom of the ladder. Mm. And they were found together on the second floor as well, with their backs touching. Now that he's killed the Miyazawa family, he goes through their fridge, okay? Because killing is hungry work. And he eats four ice creams. He drinks four bottles of barley tea, even though there was like also beer and soda in the fridge, but he, he just wanted the barley tea. He also eats their melon. He uses a band-aid like other things like first aid because he was injured. Mm. He takes a shit but doesn't flush, which is very gross and disrespectful. Okay. He looks through their things. He takes out the drawers and he dumps it in the bathtub. He also takes Yasuko's handbag, Mikio's wallet, their house keys, some documents, and he threw them into his toilet where he did not flush. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So he also throws in a towel that has his blood, like his, mm. yeah, and an empty ice cream cup. And at around 1am, about an hour and a half after he breaks in, he uses Mikio's computer and he goes online. And when he's online, he creates a new folder on the computer. Okay. And he visits a theatre website. A theatre website? Yeah, but it was something that Mikio had bookmarked. Okay. Yeah, so you go in and you click on the first bookmark. I think it's something like What's that. What's the folder? What's in the folder? Nothing. He just creates a new folder. Mm. It sounds like somebody who doesn't know how to use a computer and it's like... I see. Yeah. And then sometime between 1.30am and 10am next morning, he disappears. So like most mornings, you know, most families, they have a routine. And apparently it was Yasuko's mom's habit to call and catch up in the morning. You know, like, ring, ring, what are you doing? How's everything? Yeah. But this time, it wasn't that nobody picked up the call. It was that the call didn't even go through. And it was like just landlines then, right? So there was something wrong with the phone. And later we find out that the killer cut the phone line. Oh. Everything put together. It really just makes me feel... And again, it's just like opinion. It's just very speculative. It just makes me feel that like this was planned, you know? Because why else would you cut the phone line? Why would you I'm do this? I'm sure that I don't agree with that. Yeah? It sounds like someone kind of broke in to try and rob the place. Then didn't have really have a plan, which is why they left so much evidence behind. I don't know. Um, that's why he took out all the stuff also. One of the things that they do is that they think that he left so much evidence to like throw the police off, you know, like... You just throw in a bunch of red herrings. If it was planned, then like, what would be the motive? Uh, mm. So the call didn't even go through. So she's like, oh. So she walks over because it's just like next door, right? Like just nearby. Yeah. And so around 10am, she goes in and lying at the foot of the stairs, it's Mikio mm. on the first floor. And she goes through the house and she finds the bodies of her daughter and her grandchildren and the police were called at 10.56am. Okay. Yeah. And at first the police, they thought that the killer could have left any time between 1.30am and 10am because there was computer activity around 10am but this was later dismissed because the mum, they, they theorised that the mum accidentally touched the mouse when she was walking through because it had fallen to the floor. Right. And the police, uh, as we discussed, found all sorts of evidence. They found the sashimi knife, they found the human excrement, they found the clothes, the literal DNA. Mm. The clothes wasn't just like a shirt or whatever. It was a whole outfit. Yeah, a shirt, Uniqlo jacket, like bag, gloves, everything. And when they ran it through the police database, because at that point of time, I think the Japanese police... And, and the police around the world they started building up these criminal yeah. databases they couldn't find anything and uh, again because to be in the police database you usually have to have a criminal record and that's why they have it on hand because they take it in when they are booking you in that's I think I don't know interesting I guess for DNA that's true you would only get your DNA taken if you had some running with the law but at least now everybody's fingerprints are taken <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> fingerprints would be yeah but maybe not in 2000 and that's interesting because then maybe like he never returned to Japan so I assume when you go in you'd have to like you know they always take your fingerprints no but like for instance in Singapore even you do your IC you have to put your fingerprint mm. Or maybe he burned off his fingerprints. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, this this is like twenty years ago, so maybe they 
just didn't do the fingerprinting then. Yeah. But I mean, I was thinking in Singapore how you have to use your fingerprints for passport and immigration, right? Yeah. Like we were saying. And because this, even though it's like a very old case, it, it isn't exactly closed. Usually for criminal cases, the especially murder, statute limitations, there might not even be a statute limitations. Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends on the country. But it's going to be very long anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking if it was open now, if the guy was still around, imagine if he didn't do anything to his fingerprints, they could like just wait and see for it to match. I don't know, is there an Excel V lookup for fingerprints? <laughs> I, I think so. I think that Interpol or some organization would have a most wanted yeah. list that has all the information that immigration officers would be able to just check against. Right? Okay, so... They also got his DNA because remember he left the blood in the thing. I don't yeah. know if you they can get DNA from poop. I guess it's something yeah, I, we'll I, have I, to find out. I'm sure you can. Because <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> the food's been through, right? Yeah. yeah. Are you tired of true crime? Do you want a happy ending for a change? There's this new podcast that I've been listening to. It's called How I Met You, an Asian podcast about love. And every Monday, they release episodes where couples share how they meet, their biggest arguments, and their less than perfect proposals, just like this snippet. So in the car, T minus 30 minutes to proposal, she said, Hey, um, I don't feel very comfortable if you propose to me. And I was like, okay, I'm driving. I need to take my phone and tell my friends to cancel the operation because, like, how? She's going to say no. <laughs> we were at my poolside one day and then we were just chit-chatting. And then that night was when he kind of said... Gene, <laughs> do you want to give it a try? I, I actually said no. Blood. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no, wait, so, so, yeah, so. so to, to, to let me, to let me. Um, um, if you want to check them out, link to their podcast is in the description. So, if you know somebody who sounds like this, you should probably, you know, think about it. Sounds like. He has type A blood, so so it was definitely not any of the Miyazawa's because you know like how blood types work. A positive. Actually, now they should be able to find out, but it was just like type A. Oh. Then and you know how they can do like ancestry.com now. Yeah. Yeah. So his dad was definitely East Asian, so they theorize he's probably Japanese. But he might even be Korean because there's like... But this is in Japan, right? Yeah, this is in Japan. Okay. But his mom was theoretically just, just based on the test. And these tests are never 100%. Was probably European and South European. So somewhere near the Adriatic Sea, like Italian, Spanish. So he might have been like mixed, they think so. Especially because how difficult it is to solve this. They were like, maybe he's like a foreigner. You know, maybe he's not based in Japan. Okay. But it's also possible that the Europeanness is from a distant relative because these kind of genes they reside like far away and you know long time ago. Mm, okay. Yeah, but Interpol also has his records. Yeah, Interpol has his DNA records. So if he ever does anything, that Interpol, you know, so there's that. Um, it's also believed that he was born sometime between 1965 and 85 because he would have been anywhere between 15 to 35 to have that kind of physicality. Mm. The squeeze, climb up and squeeze. He should have been at least 170 cm to just floop 
over to the from the tree to the toilet, and he should have been thin enough to squeeze through the toilet window. So that's very specific. But also, I thought that this was a bit like mm, because you can have a very spry, very active. 35 year old and above who maybe was yeah, able to do yeah, this yeah so why can't old people be yeah, buff huh? yeah, assumption yeah okay and remember the clothes uh, that was left behind so there was a black Uniqlo attack jacket but like I love Uniqlo everybody likes Uniqlo anyway the killer likes Uniqlo too Uniqlo Japanese right? yeah <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure like, everybody in Japan just wears Uniqlo uh, like I'm sure there's like a million people with that same black Uniqlo yeah. jacket so it was like how do you track that but there was this shirt, and it's called a raglan shirt by the brand Marafuru, also known as MX. And it was sold between August and December 2000, and only 130 pieces were sold. Oh, okay. But they were only able to track 12 of those buyers. So if you know anyone who bought one of these shirts 22 well, years like ago. It's a limited edition shirt or it's just a very poor selling shirt? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> but I think it just it just sounded like a very poorly sell, sold shirt. Okay. Yeah, and so what's interesting is that the bag that he left behind, they found sand in the bag. Oh. And this sand was from Nevada. Okay, strange. So... Some people, because of this, they, they theorize that the guy might have been related or affiliated with someone American and not just American, like some like a army or navy guy because it would make sense, especially given the area and the time period where it happened. Not that I don't know. I don't know. Are there any bases near, near that park? Who knows? And with this information, they actually checked the fingerprints of more than 5 million people, friends, neighbors. So one thing that I thought was really smart was that they checked... Random hospital patients with hand wounds. So mm. when it happened, they went around all the hospitals nearby and they were like, hey, you with the hand wound, we need your fingerprints. I assume it's something like that. Right. And they cross-tested the DNA more than 1.3 million times. Okay. That's that, a lot. I'm not sure if that's a lot. Is given it? Given that the population of Japan is like probably <laughs> many, many times that, right? Right. There are a couple of theories here. Okay. The first one that we're going to go through is the popular one, which is skaters. So there were a group of people who skate in the park behind the house, which is a bit like, yes, it is yeah. a park. But because these skaters, they would use the park benches as a ramp, right? Which is like a bit not so considerate. They thought that it was a grudge because apparently Mikio, the dad, used to get into fights with these skaters. Okay. And the way I'm imagining it is very like, oh, kids don't skate on the benches. Okay. Yeah. But we can't be sure of this and I feel like the police would have checked this group out and I don't think that an argument over skating on park benches would have been enough to kill a whole family, you know what I mean? Mm. But, you know, what do we know? And the second argument is money is that it's a random break-in. Yeah, that's my theory. Yeah, and it was breaking gone wrong. And about 150,000 yen was stolen, so that's about 1,005 American dollars or so. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of people were like, it doesn't seem worth, but it's not like unprecedented where like somebody very desperate will just like break in to take whatever he can. My theory was that this guy would have broken uh, this woman, male or female, um, and killed all of them without knowing how much is in the house. Then they end up getting $1,500, but too bad uh, that's what was in the house. Yeah, like, no. So that's what people thought was a bit weird because they left about 190,000 yen behind. How much is it? 100 and... Probably about a couple thousand. 
and some foreign currency. No, but I think you might be right where where he had the time to search, but he was like maybe not in his right mind. Clearly, he was not because he just killed a whole family, and he just missed the money. Um, the other thing that was a bit. The people would be like, mm, if this was a robbery, why did he bother looking for Nina and Yasuko who are sleeping in the attic? Like, uh, people are like, mm, how do they even know that they were there? But maybe he could have been like staking out the house and known that there were people there as well. He could have heard like noises. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so the timeline was he killed the daughter, fought with the dead. Oh no, he's it was killed the son, fought with the dead. Whilst he was fighting with the dead, I assume that would have been quite noisy. Yeah. And so then the two of them in the attic might have made, made some noise. Yeah. Could have been like that. The second one, okay, is that it's a grudge. The next theory is that it's a grudge. Okay. Given how the family was. Right. Yeah. And the oh, kids especially. But this this isn't really a family that goes around making grudges and the sister has come out to be like absolutely nobody would have this kind of grudge against Mikio and Yasuko. You know what I mean? They were just a family doing their thing in suburbs. Alright? But there was also, there were also conspiracy theories because, you know, when a case has been unsolved for long enough, mm. people on the internet have nothing better to do. Fair enough. Like us. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> sounds like us. Yeah, so, I'm not sure if you remember. Um, you probably don't because... I recorded it alone. <laughs> there was a church called the Korean Reunification Church. And this is the one that we talked about in episode 75, the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Okay. And so the guy who killed Shinzo Abe, the ex-president of Japan, yep. longest running president of Japan, his family, he blamed a lot of the problems in his family. His mom giving... Um, their life savings, their insurance money, them not having enough to eat on the reunification church for like quote unquote brainwashing her, mm. and because of that, that's why he he blamed Shinzo Abe and his party for letting the church grow so big in Japan. Okay, and so one of the theories, these are just like really conspiracy theories from the depths of the internet from Reddit. Right. Um, it's alleged it's because the Miyazawas they refuse to sell their land to the reunification church. Oh. Uh, were they the ones doing the expansion? Um, no, we don't know. So oh. I think it was just like throwing, okay, throwing yeah. shit to the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay. Okay, now these are all theories and these are all alleged. We don't know why this happened and we don't know who did it. And this was one of the largest cases in Japanese history. The investigations had, had thousands of investigators over the years and they collected over 12,000 pieces of evidence but what we can hope for is that maybe one day the killer will make the wrong move mm. you know they go into the country they they do something petty like shoplifting and get booked in with their DNA mm. they forget to pay their taxes they put the wrong finger on the ICA scanning thing <laughs> yeah and soon he'll be caught I mean we we can't rule that out like the Golden State Killer was caught after like decades mm. Yeah, there's always some hope. So, hey Ruben. Hi, Teddy. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no worries. So, I heard about this new thing. Okay. We have pigeons in our house. We do, on the ledge, yeah. Yeah, um, so recently we learned that the pigeons are there because... Not, not because pigeons just wildly populate themselves. No. We learned that they're there because, you know... Some people like to feed them and some people like to let them go. 
<laughs> and to prevent that, we found out that this organization called Acres has a new program. What's it called? The Bird Ambassadors. Urban Bird Ambassadors. Urban That's bird right. Ambassadors, yeah. So I'm gonna leave a few links be below. I'm gonna leave a few links below. And if you know anyone who, I guess is is kind of like accidentally unintentionally growing the pigeon population and the pest population in Singapore you can reach out but you know these kind of things they're not cheap the pigeons are not cheap <laughs> <laughs> education's not cheap running running non-profits are not cheap Ruben you wouldn't <laughs> know it's all for profit <laughs> and to fund this, I think Acus is having some sort of gala dinner in October. I'll also leave a link below if you would like to attend a very nice vegan gala dinner and oh, support the animals. Yeah. yeah, and hopefully I'll see you there. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, if you like this case, remember to share it with your friends. And if you like the podcast, remember to follow us on Spotify or Apple or wherever else you listen to your podcast. It really helps the show. You can always drop me a DM on Instagram also to find out what I'm wearing to the gala dinner, gala dinner which I guess now I have to buy tickets for. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any recommendations, do drop them in as well. And as always, find me online at abriefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another briefcase. 